1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Scott Van Pelt is the host of the Scott Van Pelt Show on ESPN. He also hosts the Monday Night Football pregame on ESPN. Uh, This was year one of doing it, and he joins us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. You know, I was thinking about this. You haven't been on the show in a while. And it's my fault for not asking you because you always say yes, but yeah. I haven't had you on. I was looking through, I, I think it was September the last time you were on. How, how are you for everybody out there that's wondering how Scott Van Pelt is doing?
1: <laughs> well, I, I was wondering what I'd done. If I if it was a bad hit last time, you know, I didn't know what, what, what the issue was, but I, I'm happy to be here.
2: <laughs> yeah, because you have so many bad hits. Um, yeah. No, it's just that you're – You're busy, um, your schedule, uh, you know, for the early morning show, you could never come on because you were essentially getting home as I was getting up, and it just didn't work out. But my new hours of 10 to 1, it's, it's you still sleep in, you you know, because you're getting home late, but it it should work out uh, more often than it has. Um, And it is now. It is now. So I was talking in the last segment about this final week of the NFL season and how, You know, smart bettors look for the teams that have nothing to play for, typically getting a short number against those that have everything to play for. That has been a strategy that has served some of us very well over the years. Have you looked at the board, and does anything stick out to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that kind of fit that mold. And, and I mean, it's uh, Tennessee, you know, against Jacksonville. You know, who's the quarterback? Is it Levis or Tannehill? Don't know. Don't care. I mean, it's, you know, Tennessee is, is the spot that fits. Um, I think green Bay does Um, the, who else I had one Carolina, Carolina. But I, and I mean, if you've been, if you've been at the window firing on them every week, just because it's the board, you know, the math or however you want to say it tells you that's where you should be. Well, you've basically been lighting your money on fire um no not, not
2: recently uh, not recently no. they didn't score uh, a they, point they, last they've week actually did I think I've won three out of the last four times I've had the Panthers which has been over the last you know five six
1: weeks well maybe uh, I'm just I'm thinking of the yeah. most recent uh 60 minutes of football they put on tape they're not very good um but no yeah <laughs> you, you I mean, look, in winters, I said, you know, if this is the last chance I have to take Carolina, I kind of have to do it. So, uh, I mean, it it is odd how often that has proven to be true. Uh, The the, the teams that in theory have nothing versus the teams that that clearly not theory. It's a real thing. They have everything to play for, have to win to make it kind of. Uh, You know, Green Bay last year against Detroit, you know, I mean, on their home field, Detroit went in there and beat them. Chicago's in the same spot this week, uh, going to Lambeau, trying to keep them out, and uh, they have nothing to gain by winning.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one that, that stands out more than any other, because not only that, you get a Chicago team that's actually played pretty well. This NFL season's been strange, and I just I just went through it about how many teams and the narratives on teams have changed so dramatically, whether it was, you know, Denver early in the season or Philadelphia midway through the season. Um what you know as we approach the final week of the season what's what stood out to you about the season as a whole more than anything else
1: I thought San Francisco looked like you know the best team by a lot the fact that they had obliterated Dallas and Green uh and Philadelphia excuse me um to, when they were when they were whole meaning when they had you know 71 and 19 when they had Williams and Debo they pretty much hadn't been beaten Baltimore going in there and beating them the way they did Um, along with a couple of other games that they've had against, say, the Ravens and, uh, excuse me, the Lions and the Seahawks at home. Um, Those are the two teams that I think have clearly elevated themselves to a place where they look the part. They look like the ones. Um, Philly Philly melting this last month and a half is the most interesting. Like, what's the deal here? Um, Like they were unbeaten other than just a weird last two minutes against the Jets where it all went wrong. Um, and now, I mean, they just got beat on their home field by a team that I don't even know if Arizona was actively wanting to win, but I give them all the credit for playing hard and they did. Uh, but, but I don't know what the deal is with Philly and they're, they're going to, you know, be on the road against, well, I guess, maybe Tampa Bay if they win. And I don't know, they, uh, we were at the Seattle game and granted, that was kind of a, a Houdini act by the Seahawks, but the, the Eagles left the wind, the door open to, to lose. And they did, um, and they looked so good and seemed to be so confident. And Now they look so unsure and unsteady. And I don't know what that's about. So, I mean, you talk about narratives changing. I mean, to me, no one has looked uh, more different from, say, October, November to now early January than, Phil- than Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, the only thing is that uh, early in the season, you could tell they were struggling defensively. But they, you know, everybody said, ah, oh, but this is a championship medal team, and look at them, and they they just win. But they, they barely beat Washington twice. Twice, um, no, you're
1: right. But, but those games should have been instructive, because Washington looked as good as they looked all year in those two windows against Philly, but I think there was, and you earn it by winning, but really managed to win those games and i think really good teams manage to win games when they don't have their best right the, the teams that have high ceilings when they play to their ceiling they're going to crush you but the teams that have high ceilings that kind of mess around but still win but, you know this is a league as you and you and i well know you know you lose games and Philly wasn't losing those games even when washington played well so uh, now they're not and now they're finding they're finding a path to losses and maybe maybe we're overreacting to that but they seem a little bit more shook by it than anybody, you know, Sirianni and making the changes and just P- Patricia's calling plays. and every and Jalen Hurts seems, you know, did he mean like we're not committed when that, that comment after the game, I didn't necessarily think he meant much by it, but that's the kind of why when you say it, it's certainly going to be a headline. Like, well, what do you mean? Who's not committed? And I don't know. It just seems like they, seems like they, they, they split the switch to panic mode there. Um, I, I start to say unnecessarily. They would know if it was necessary or not, but they did it.
2: So, for those that don't know, Scott, you know, was is a lifelong sports fan of the teams here. Not as passionately of the of the professional teams as he once was, but you pay attention to the sure. Washington Pro Football franchise here, and we've talked a lot about in recent weeks. This is debatably the worst on the field product. That this franchise has ever had, and there are plenty of seasons to choose from. You know, especially during the Snyder era. Um, Denton and I were just talking about it. They might, right now, be the worst team in the NFL. I mean, who's worse, Carolina? But I think Carolina yeah. might be favored if the
1: if the game were in Charlotte. Uh, maybe I don't know, but Carolina gets short numbers every week, and then they go get blown out. I Carolina has gotten weird respect from from the book. I I, I can't quite. I mean, they're getting four and a half this week. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. They're three, it. they're three
2: and one in their last four against the number.
1: I understand that. I'm just telling you, they, they. Yeah. they you think they're a good football team? I don't. No, no, I, I don't. They're, they're three and two. Excuse right, me, okay. in, the, in the last your, five. Your point. Your point is no. still that, that if Washington played Carolina, what would the number be? I don't know, but no, I'm I, just Washington I, is, not I just want
2: to know what you think about this franchise right now and where it's headed. Because this was the worst on the field season you could argue in franchise history. The good news is Dan's gone and things will change beginning on
1: Monday. That's the that's the working theory, and I there's no question that, that Josh and the ownership group gets a year of uh, of cushion to just whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. And you know, there's a bit of optimism early. Hey, sellouts and there's crowds, and then it's like, well, at the end of the year, it's the same deal. It's it's the stadium takeover by whoever you're playing, and you know, they they messed around and almost beat the Jets, which would have been a catastrophe. Um, and, and look, I give the, I give the men out there who are pros that are playing and that want to win. I, I I appreciate that. Um, I'm not in that locker room. I shouldn't act like it. the fan that I'm acting like now, but you, you'd rather lose because you'd rather get a better pick. And they, that managed to happen because what Zerline made like a 54-yarder. order. Um, I, I think, you know, you start with Hal and you're wondering, is he a guy? And now you end the year, and Brissett, when he's gotten in, has looked better, which doesn't surprise me. I think Brissett's a really good backup. Uh, he's demonstrated that. Um, but, I mean, at some point you have to find the guy who's the guy. Uh, is Howell that? I don't know. You've had a year to kind of figure that out. The returns would say it's just too inconsistent, right? Um, but there's so many other questions. You know, the, the defense has just been horrendous um, all year long statistically, and so I guess you enter into an off season. It, you have hope that it's different, and now you're going to get a chance to find out what what course do they chart because this is the end of the, the Rivera road. I think that's obvious. And now, what do they do? And I was wrong. I thought Rivera would come here and I thought he'd be a steady hand and he'd be you know all these kind of football clichés leader of men yada yada and they they'd come out of the dark well that that didn't happen so you know hand up here I was wrong on that so I I'll hope that whatever path they go now is is a different one than it's been
2: all right so you and I both love Saturdays even more than Sundays um and so you've got to – Feeling and strong feelings about the various quarterbacks that will be coming out. Washington, if they lose Sunday, pretty good chance. They'll have the number two pick Uh worst uh, case, the number three pick uh, of the guys that are being talked about. And let's just pretend all of them are available for them, wherever they pick. Give me the order in which you like the college quarterbacks as pros. The, uh,
1: the Caleb year was interesting because it's, it's it's just a lot that goes that it's, it's part of that whole thing and it goes back like to the Gonzaga days. You heard stories about you know just how uber involved you know his, his dad was in the idea of you know training and, and brand building and all the rest. And you know this year for USC it was awful. One because of him, um, but I, I still think he I still think he might be the unicorn talent of the group. Um, May and Carolina, like as good as he's as as good as the tape says he is, and a lot of people really like him. Their year fell apart in a weird way. Then, I like you, you know you got a Heisman Trophy winner from LSU that people are trying to say is better than Burrow. I don't think that. I mean, you know he. he I, the thing I worry about with him is how skinny he is, right? And how much he runs, and is is that is that what you want to try to do in the NFL? Um, and then the, the wild card to me is Penix. Like he's older and he's got a weird injury history, but like put on the tape and ask yourself, like, what are we talking about? Is, I mean, is, was he better than Jay Daniels this year?
2: No, I think Jaden Daniels was the best player
1: I watched in college football this year, and I, I'm, I'm not even sure it was with, I close. I tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. I, I'll i admit to this when it comes to Jaden Daniels. I think I remember the Arizona State guy and I and, and still think in those terms of who he could be. Like, just this skinny guy that was running around, and Arizona State wasn't very good. And I was like, this guy's got some stuff. But, I mean, I didn't know he was going to turn into this Electrifying playmaker that he became, and he had really good wideouts at LSU, and he was excellent. Um, but I, I, I think the, I think the order is, pro, it's, the, the fascinating conversation is going to be between, between Caleb May and and those two at the at the top, I think, and then Daniels, I assume, is seen as a third, and then it'll all be the interview process and the combine with these teams and see who, who do people really like and, and the NFL? Is so bad at figuring it out at the top, you know, traditionally, um, you know, Houston got, I don't say if they got lucky, but they got Stroud by default because they didn't have the opportunity to take Bryce And I don't think it's fair to judge Bryce on the year he had because they're, they they did not have any difference makers at wide out. Their own line was bad, but like, First year returns would tell you that that Houston got the better quarterback uh, of the two, and Washington's going to get the chance to get the a, a default pick. I, I assume I don't assume Chicago's taking a quarterback. You
2: don't you but don't you know, assume I, that.
1: I don't. I think Fields has made it interesting enough that they've got to figure, like, got to ask themselves: Is are we punting on this guy? And if they are, I mean, I suppose they could get a bunch of draft capital for him. But I think, by order, just to answer your question. I think it's I think it's Caleb, then it's May, then it's that it's Daniels. So I think that's it. Yeah,
2: the 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 one that I can't figure out honestly. I don't get the the fascination with McCarthy. What do you like? It, he has been kind of the the default fourth. Now I think Pennix Jr. is changing that with the, the the game, especially that he had on Monday night, but even the Oregon Pac-12 championship game. But uh, what do you think of McCarthy? Because I've seen him projected as high as top twelve.
1: I don't see it at all. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't, no, I don't. I don't. And I mean, probably. I mean, it, what's he asked to do? You know how much? How much is on the? How much is on the plate there? Yeah.
2: I mean he had that that was a big drive the other night down seven. Um, but you know, even in the overtime it was two correct. it was two handoffs to quorum I mean, into the I end zone. I
1: don't I mean there's 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 a wide open quorum play on fourth and two and a and a ball that gets tipped and, and Wilson makes a hell of a catch on. I mean, I'm not saying he can't do it, it just I mean it's not it's not the, the tape's not close to the other guys.
2: Yeah, it's it's just not. If I were to tell you right now, Caleb Williams is not the number one pick, but a quarterback went number one. Who was? Who is it? Man. Nah.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think NFL types have have thought. I think there was. I think there was way more of a split among among NFL war rooms before the year started than maybe among fans. I just think I, I think people really, really, really talked him up and really really liked him. I mean, that's what I understand anyway. Uh, I think, think that's I, I now now granted, you know, does 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 the year that Daniels had change the conversation? You know, maybe. I just think he's so slight that that that, that would be a fear. Um that, that I think that would be the fear. I d I, I don't know, NFL teams are so bad at getting this right. I mean they're no better than us. So, I mean, yeah, I,
2: and they uh, know a lot more than us because it's the, the process that, that you talked about—the interviews oh, okay. that end up playing yeah, but, a large
1: but role. I, I think it gets—I think it gets in the way. That's why with Penix, I just laugh and go, "Put on the tape. You're going to tell me he's 24, like as if that means he's a geriatric and his injury history's bad, and you know, like I, I don't know who throws a better ball than that guy. <laughs> over
2: no, it's... and over
1: and over, he's got five throws a game. That you're like, Jesus, look at this guy throw the ball.
2: Yeah, he and not only that. I thought Monday night, and we talked about this yesterday. What you really saw was he was so good in the pocket at creating more time, and you know, you've you've watched all of his games too. There have been games this year where he's been wildly inaccurate, other than the deep ball. You know, the deep balls looked great all year. By the way, Jaden Daniels throws an incredible deep ball too. I think I do, they're pretty yeah. close on on uh, deep ball I, I, throws.
1: I think maybe I just I think maybe I just watched more games of of Penix more uh, critically um, than than Daniels just because LSU's games a lot of times a lot of times got out of hand I mean the spectacular plays were just you know he had yeah. so many Heisman moments he I think he earned it there's no question but I don't know it'll be it'll be fun to see the process and all that's cooked into it and then you know how do how do how do teams view it I don't know but but I think I still think Caleb's got the gifts of, 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 you know, his size, his ability to extend plays, the the ad-lib ability is just outrageous, man. It's just not, it's not his fault that this defense couldn't stop anybody. No,
2: couldn't stop anybody. Uh, we're talking to Scott Van Pelt joining us on the show. You know, I think the thing with Fields is so interesting because basically the Washingtons, if he's available, the Washingtons and the New Englands are going to have to look at it and say, is he better than the guys in the draft? that we could pick here cuz he's only 24 years old. He's basically a year older than Penix, I think. Yeah. Um and I where would you where would you put Fields if he were in this group right
1: now? That's such an interesting question. I like him better because I know I've seen it and I I've, I've seen I you know this year with he didn't have a one before and now in in more he's had a one. Um You know, a guy you can look at and just say, all right, who am I throwing it to? All right, I'll throw it to you. Um, And I I feel like his teammates' uh, support of him is telling as well. Right. Because it seems that the room really responds to him as a leader and as a player. That's really telling as a young guy that hadn't had a ton of success. The fan base Um, too, Scott. Agreed, agreed. And that's a great sports town as we know. And you know, I, I I think a little bit of that, Kevin, is you've seen enough that it's like it's like the game show, and it's is is this the shiny new car? Maybe not, but behind door number three, you know, might be a couch. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. taking that taking that college kid as intoxicating as that as that possibility undoubtedly would be, especially if you believe Caleb's generational. If you believe that, or if you prefer May, and you think that. Well then, then Chicago will do it. But then that's scary as hell because if you're the GM, if you're polls like you're looking at that, and you're going, man, if I eff this up, <laughs> and, and, and Fields turns out that he was his trajectory really was on a on an upward flight that was going to take him to a place where he could be a a, a true franchise quarterback for for a, a decade long run, Well make it a five year run, and any more five years might as well be a hundred. And and you get it wrong, then you then you blow, you've blown it. So. I I I mean am I saying I I guess if I'm saying I keep Fields and not draft quarterback I'm saying I like him better than anybody and, and and saying that feels crazy. I'm just saying I'm glad I don't have to be the one to make that choice.
2: Uh, yeah, it's gonna. I mean you really laid it out because you could be people think you could be passing on Mahomes to keep Fields who probably isn't going to be Mahomes. Um Speaking of him, actually, we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, real quickly, while we're on college, uh, Washington has bucked uh, our conventional way of thinking about games for several weeks pretty much in a row now. Um, do they do it again Monday night against Michigan as a four-and-a-half-point dog?
1: I was, I was talking to uh, our guy Stanford Steve about this the, last night, and it's it, what, what's interesting is, I just think that the the, the Bama-Michigan game was a phone booth, line of scrimmage fight, right? I mean, you knew that's what it was going to be, and that's what it was. And that Michigan front got after Alabama in ways you just don't see them get gotten after too often. Washington's O-line group, for those that don't follow college football, there's an award called the Joe Moore, which goes to the the best line in the game. Washington won it. Washington's quarterback wide receiver group is the best that Michigan's faced. It, it, if, if the answer is yes, it's going to be because their line wins, and it gives Penix time to be the difference maker that he is at quarterback. Um, but I, I don't, I think Michigan, I think Michigan manages to turn the us against the world thing into a into a real thing and wins. Um, and and I think you'll know quickly if 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 it's if it's a track meet game or if it's Michigan's able to to own the line of scrimmage game. And if it is, then I, I think they win. Um, but Washington's managed to, to, to go like, they, they went up against Oregon and I think Steve and I said on sports center, like, look, I, we know Oregon lost in Washington. We, we both left that game. And since then thinking Oregon was better. And then Washington went out to Vegas and kicked their ass. They were better. Like that wasn't a mistake. Yeah. They were better. And, you know, Washington had to hang on for dear life. Like the end of that game against Texas was just kind of a wild combination of circumstances. Um, but they, they made the plays they had to make to, to, to hang on. I just I don't I don't see Washington scoring thirty something points against Michigan, Um, but I also don't think Michigan's going to be able to win a game if they only score on one drive in the second half. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like it's going to be somewhere in the middle, uh, and I think Michigan manages to win.
2: Yeah, as you were describing, you know, kind of Washington and thinking about Bama because in the first half of the 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 Rose Bowl semifinal, Michigan dominated. The line of scrimmage against Alabama, and yet it was only thirteen to ten, and I felt like it could have been a lot worse. And, and Milroe is is definitely behind Penix Jr. and being able to kind of read defenses and throw from the pocket. Milroe is, you know, makes plays with his legs. If Washington can protect. Um, there was. I, I agree with you. Like, well, I can see Washington scoring and and scoring more than we think. I think the, the the interesting thing is is Michigan could line it up against Washington's defense. I think all night long and just run it right down their throat and sort of yeah. dominate the, the 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 game with their offense and running game. Can, but can, it's can a can great matchup.
1: I think so too, and I mean. I felt like the, the, the semis, you know, the Florida State conversation notwithstanding, I understood their frustration. Any fan base would have felt that way. But but I, given their quarterback situation, it felt like these four would give us games just like we got. I mean, it, it didn't surprise me that this was the result. Um it felt like you could have put, pulled any two names out of a hat. You'd go, okay, cool. Like, that game seems interesting to me, and this this certainly is that. The fact that it's you know, a future Big Ten matchup is just a wild kind of reality of where we now live. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game.
2: On FSU, and I talked about this, and I forget if we've talked about this, but I didn't like the way they handled the game um, against Georgia. And it it wasn't so much all of the opt-outs. It was – the complaining and the discussion of how hurt they were, and that's why everybody opted out afterwards by a coach who I really like and I think has done a really good job, but that was really embarrassing. And there were players opting out that aren't going to be playing in the pros.
1: I agree. I agree with all of their anger. Any team would have felt that way. I totally get it. I don't blame the anger. But what and I, I'm with you. I I love that Norvell. I, I look. Florida State was on this cycle of they had this birthright feeling that they're supposed to be in the, you know, in the mix, and then they, they had a, a series of coaching hires that just went horribly wrong, and they'd fallen off a cliff. And they were ready to run Norvell too, but then they took a deep breath and let the guy get his feet underneath him. And now look where they are. Like they they had an unbeaten regular season. So you and I are aligned on that. I think he's awesome. Um, he had a really good team. But the way they allowed their anger and frustration to turn it into, well, we're just not going to go play. You had a chance to go play Georgia, who hadn't lost in two years. And you could have shown everybody, like, this is actually who we, who we are. And instead, you got beat by 60, and no one played. And what that game was, was a reflection of what culture is such a, such a catch-all buzzword. That's the culture of Georgia that Kirby's created. He had a team that won back-to-back championships, and they lost, and, and as good as they were, they didn't get a spot at the table either. If anybody had a right to go, well, the hell with it. We're just not going to play. It was them, and everybody played, and that just shows you that you had a group of people that, that were sort of singularly focused on wanting to win the next game they had and went out and made a point about it, and Florida State didn't have that same kind of group. Uh, that wanted to play, and and if and if you say to me the game meant nothing and none of their guys had to play, sure there's a few guys that are going to the league, but you're right, Kevin. There's a bunch of other guys that just didn't play because they didn't want to, and that to me was a shame because you had a chance to to make one last statement and shut everybody up forever, and instead you got beat by 60, and. You know, I don't know. Like there, there were Florida State people that t- were apologists for that. I would have been embarrassed if that was the last, you know, game we played because it, it put I a agree. really, it put a really, a really. Um, that's not who they are. Like they're they're a really good team, and then, and they fought all year, and then they didn't, and so that's the last thing people remember. Does that mean the committee was right? Of course not. That wasn't who Florida State was, but that's what you guys chose to do with the last opportunity you had, and and that's, you know, to me, that's on you.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I, I just didn't love the constant, you know, we're suing everybody, everybody's suing everybody over, over something that, quite honestly, the criteria was there for the committee to do what they did, uh, and I thought justifiably so in many ways. If you don't like it, change the criteria. We won't have to worry about it next year, but well, there exactly. will be – You know, there will be conversations about the last-at-large team for sure. And here's something else that, yeah, always, just like, you know, the the bubble with the tournament. But I wonder when we get to the first year of this 12-team playoff in 2024-2025, I wonder if some of these teams that are going to have to win four games to get there, I wonder if there will be opt-outs.
1: I I don't know. I mean, I, I look for the Texas players, backup
2: quarterback. op you know, hit the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right. Um, I mean, that was. I mean, that you got that. That's the whole Ewers Arch Manning thing. And like, you know, yeah. like, look, if I'm not the guy, I'll t- I'll hit the road. It it's it's such. A, and I'm not anti portal, but I, I am anti the fact that the, the college players are the only athletes in sports that have unlimited free agency like there's exactly you know no no pro pro gets to be a free agent every single year either and and it's just it's mayhem with this a whole whole different conversation of is if this is a sustainable model uh i sure people will opt out because they're going to have business choices to make and it's like you know look i can't put put my i can't put myself at risk um, for these games, but I, I mean, I think by and large, the, the players that are in the championship mix will will uh, keep playing. Uh, I would think, um, and the bowl games, have, I, I, the, the conversation about well, now they're just an exhibition. Well, they were always only like the the the, the Nashville, the Music City Bowl. That, that that didn't mean more or less than it's ever meant before. It's the same thing. It's just does it matter yeah. enough to guys on your team to play? And for Maryland, it didn't. It didn't matter for Leah. I shouldn't say it didn't matter. He chose not to. Um, and and that'll continue to be the case for the for the non-playoff bowls. But that was kind of what it was in the past. Uh, now you just have far more people that just don't uh, elect to be in the participate in those games. All
2: right. By the way, the hit's going really well um, right now. Oh, good. So, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it.
2: Um, I'll skip over the fact that the GFS just trended colder, um, and we'll save that conversation for later. Did but it? a couple of quick things. To fin- what it did um not not cold enough uh for Saturday but but colder in, in in the right direction um so a couple of things real quickly to finish up back to the NFL for a moment do you yes. think there's any chance the Chiefs put it together when they get to the postseason
1: there is here's what I'll say about them for for the entire year I have said I just want Mahomes to have to go on the road. At some right. point in his career, because it doesn't seem cosmically fair that he gets to play the Arrowhead Invitational every year. You know, it seems like if if you if you're on this goat path and you want to be con- in the conversation with the all-time greats, and certainly he has the gifts and and has had the chances on these big stage where you get to be talked about among the very best. Well, at some point you got you got to put on your road uni, man. I just whether it's at Baltimore this year, which, you know, that'd be a fun one. Uh, I think because he's him, I have this lingering residual belief that at some point he's going to put on a cape and and it'll look like the guy that only he looks like. But that's more like this this, uh, sneaking suspicion that it could happen as opposed to I really think it. There's just too much evidence that they're just not that this year. Too many games where he looks just he's, he's under duress. They don't have it. Like they win games because their defense when they win games this year. So I guess that's a long way of saying, no, I don't, I don't think they will. Uh, I, I think if anyone's going to go on a run, it's the team that might not even make it if they don't beat Miami and that's Buffalo. Uh, right. I just love watching them play. Um, I, I, you know, Minnesota's your, your your team. It's not your team, but you watch them and you root for them. That's Buffalo for me. I, I, I just, I really like the way out <laughs> plays.
2: Thanks for, thanks for outing me. Um, well, appreciate I that.
1: I think everybody knows. That, that I but it's not the team.
2: team. It's it's the one player that I root for. We well, we refer to him for now for as you know everybody.
1: who. You kind of oh you well, you kind of root for you know who. Well, right, well, Josh Allen's my you know who. I he's reckless, puts the ball in harm's way. I get it. But I just I think he's got this 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 fight in him that I really enjoy watching. So I think if anybody's gonna come out, it's not Baltimore, it's it's Buffalo. And they might not even make it. So no, I don't I think Kansas City's just too flawed this year.
2: Yeah, well you answered, I guess, my next question, which is other than Baltimore and San Francisco, who ends up breaking that up? I actually would love to see Cleveland at Baltimore in a divisional round game in that second round.
1: I'll tell you who wouldn't want that is Baltimore. I I know Ravens fans, they're like, oh my, man, if we got to see Flacco, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't want to deal with Flacco in a a playoff game. He comes to Baltimore and Flacco starts tossing it around, man. I don't know.
2: Exactly, because when they played those playoff games, that's when Flacco played great.
1: uh, Unbelievable. He was a road warrior. I mean, he was – Fearless. That, that, that was what I remember most, most of all. And, then, and they lost the game in New England. They could have won, and maybe two won of won. them. And like, I know and Flacco was so good. And and what a story! I just I've always liked him, and I, I Me love too. The fact you know he's that he's just yeah. he, he, he sitting around on his couch, just sitting around going, "Man, I can still do this." And he gets a chance with with Cleveland, and that defense is scary as hell. And he's made them different, like him and Najoku. And uh, I mean the the game that Cooper had against Houston, where he had about eight million receiving yards. Um, they, uh, I mean, there's sure they're they're a team that could that could be scary as well. But uh, I don't know, Baltimore's are they peaking too soon? You, you you can't control when that happens. But their their ceiling is is nuts, and you know defensively they, they've got some some numbers that are just really without precedent in terms of you know leading the NFL in points allowed sacks and turnovers i mean you, you know that's a hell of a thing to to be leading in all of them and then you got the presumed mvp at quarterback so uh right. big year I'm, you know big, I, but... obviously obviously a big year for them to try to get to the playoffs and and not stumbles and you know change the conversation about that part of of, of who he is at the moment
2: all right i've not handled clock management very well so i've got 30 seconds real quickly does harbaugh coach in the nfl next year and if so with whom
1: I say yes. And the answer to the next parts, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if there are, you know, relationship challenges that would preclude him going to certain places. I've heard the way that he handled the last two off seasons with Denver and Minnesota, where it may, you know, maybe kind of acted like he was just going to get the job kind of maybe rub some people in the NFL wrong. but I just think, you know, who he is is going to be too enticing a possibility not to end up there. And also, Everybody on this Michigan team is headed to the NFL. You know, if he we went Monday, like, it's the perfect way to walk off. So I think he's in the NFL. I don't have a clue where.
2: How many Big Ten games does Maryland win?
1: I don't know, man. It's not great. We can't shoot. No. I hope so. Um, I hope lastly,
2: so. real real quickly, Rory, what did you make of his comments about Liv saying he was too judgmental? <laughs>
1: I think it's telling. I think it's just telling that the reality is is clearly this is is this is, as smart and as form as informed the guys are is in that sport. I think he can see the 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 chessboard here, and it's pretty clear that there's going to be some sort of an alliance moving forward. And I think he's trying to, you know, walk back some of the things he said because look, he was very pro PGA Tour, and then the PGA Tour went on CNBC one morning and was like, "Hey, we're going to go into business with these guys." And he had to be like, "Wait, what?" And so I think I think he. You know, I just assume he kind of has an idea of where this is all headed, and is trying to be as diplomatic as he can because I think he's always pretty, uh, pretty wise when it comes
2: to that. All right, see ya. Thanks, appreciate it. Talk to you later. I hope it was a good hit, everybody. Yeah, it was very good hit. It was it's upper up, upper echelon, top five of your hits. Uh, we really? should do it more often, um, if you're available. Really you just got to get up to do
1: that often, just more often than it's been, but not like often.
2: <laughs> yeah, that? because the weekly thing that you did with me for eight years, you finally got sick of it. Um, yeah, and yeah. I can't blame you because yeah. it wasn't for compensation. I mean,
1: I love you, but I mean, at some point, you know.
2: Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you. Later. I mean, more I than
1: go. once a football season. I mean, for God's sake, who am I? Let's
2: see you, Scott Van Pelt. Everybody, back after this.
3: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got?
4: So you teased this early in the uh, in the show. Big NBA game last night. The Pistons and the Jazz squaring off. This is one of the more high-scoring games you're going to see. 154 to 148. Jazz beat the Pistons in overtime. It was a fun one.
2: It was the most points in Detroit franchise history losing a game. You know, the Pistons have had a pretty decent history. Uh, They broke their um, losing streak uh, the other night with a win over the Raptors by two after blowing a huge lead to the Celtics Uh, last night. And It's funny because I was listening to – who was I listening to? I think it was Glenn Consor was on with maybe Craig Um, and – He was saying about Detroit, if you watch them play, they're playing much better. They're going to break through. And the next night, they broke through, and they've been playing better. Look, as a Wizards fan, you want the Pistons to win some games. Um, 154 to 148 in overtime. This has been the highest-scoring NBA season to start in NBA history, this is, uh, for those that are old enough to remember, this is reminiscent of the way the ABA league used to score in the 1970s, the Denver Nuggets, the New Jersey Nets, those teams, the Kentucky Colonels. Uh, My father remembers the ABA very well. Um, The NBA just every night, there are teams scoring in the 140s, scoring in the 150s. Last night, in addition to that 154-148 overtime game, there was also a 138-135 double overtime game that was on super late, uh, late last night with Sacramento being Orlando. The Wizards gave up 140 for I don't know how many times they've done that. The Pacers beat the bucks for the second straight game. They're now 3 and 1 I think on the season against the Bucs, 142 to 130. In that game, by the way, Halliburton who is who's become a massive star, 31 points, 12 assists, zero turnovers. This guy's uh, assist to turnover ratio is insane. Right now, he's averaging 12.7 assists and 2.5 turnovers as his team's primary ball handler. They are so much fun to watch. And I'm just telling you right now, I am going to have the Clippers very shortly to win the whole thing. This I was dead wrong about the James Harden trade and how it would work out. They are they're now, I think, 14-5 and five in their last 19 games. They've won 11 in a row with Kawhi Healthy. I think they've got a chance to win the title. The NBA is great right now. If you like scoring, uh, I know a lot of you don't love it this time of year. Um, I'll tell you one thing, man. You turn on an NBA game like I did last night, and then you turn on a college game, and the differences in play are greater than they've ever been. It's never been, you know, obviously very close. But the two games are not recognizable. Um, anyway, uh, what do you got? What else?
4: All right, so I talked about this. Uh, you and I were talking about this during the break. We talked a lot about what uh, Ron Rivera has said today. He was not the only guy that spoke. Jahan Dotson spoke yesterday. Ron Rivera, one of the things he said this entire year is that he's proud of of the culture that he has established. Well, Kevin, take a listen to this. This was Jahan Dotson in the locker room yesterday.
1: You're in
0: between the lines. What do you think this team needs going forward next year to kind of get more wins, get over the hump?
4: Um, I would say as far as players, just a, a sense of culture. Um, you know, just we, we got to have a mindset in here that we we want change. Uh, we, we can't. We can't just accept this this type of stuff because this is really hard on that, a lot of people. Um, and I know a lot of people come from winning backgrounds, uh, so we, we gotta bring that stuff in here. We we can't accept anything but winning, honestly. Um, and that, that starts with us players, um, no matter who the coaches are. Uh, yeah, it starts with us. Uh, we we gotta bring our best foot um, and make sure that we go out every Sunday and, and bring it. When-
2: Nobody's going to ever say an organization has great culture when you're suffering through not only a 4-12 and 12 season, but a negative 161 point differential season. I mean, they've been bashed uh, week in and week out uh, by uh, the NFL teams that they've played on their schedule this year. Uh, it's a bad, bad football team. You can't be talking anything positive about culture You know, if there is and has been a significant change in culture, we certainly can't see it. And to have Jahan Dotson not speak to some sort of, hey, yeah, no, the record is what it is and there are no excuses, but feel like we got the right group here, like that would have been a better statement for Ron Rivera's I'm leaving behind a good culture banner that he wants to hang for himself. Uh, What else do you have?
4: Alright, so I came across this the other day. There is a new trend. It's in the UK right now, but will eventually make its way over to America, where newlyweds are now participating in what's called buddy moons. It's a honeymoon that you bring your family and friends along with you. So gone are the days of just you and your significant other after the wedding. You're bringing the whole whole crew out to wherever you decide to, to have your buddy moon in this case.
2: Well, that's you yeah, know, that's just not. That's not. I'm not s- sitting here hung up on tradition. Everything seems to be changing, but that's not even. Why even call it a buddy moon? That's just a a friends and family trip. I mean, that, that you're not talking about the wedding where you have a destination wedding. You're talking about the honeymoon after the wedding.
4: Yeah, a- after the wedding, you're taking everybody. So it's
2: just hey, let's get a bunch of people and go on a trip together. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we just got married. I, I mean, a honeymoon is. Intimate, two people, we just got married, we're celebrating. By the way, my honeymoon um, was during a major snowstorm here in D.C., and I was crushed that I wasn't home to be around for the (laughs) snowstorm. It was like a two-foot storm. Uh, That's a weird trend. Can I just mention one thing real quickly? Um, I told you this during one of the breaks, and I think I should thank Tommy and Clay on this one. So I just had a couple of hours to kill two nights ago, and then last night, you know, a uh, couple of more hours. And people have been s- suggesting that I watch the show, Fargo. I had never watched it before. It is so good. It is so good. I am through six episodes of season one. I thought it was just like a two season thing, but it's a five season thing. It may be Billy Bob Thornton's greatest role. I don't know that I've ever seen. He's been so good in so many things during his career, but he is so good. You saw this show, right?
4: I have not. I've
2: heard of it, but I have
4: not seen it.
2: Okay. Uh, For those of you... Clay, I think you t- told me to watch it, too. I know Tommy did, but, man, Fargo is so good. I don't know how I missed out on this. Uh, Martin Freeman is phenomenal. He was in the original British version of The Office with Ricky Gervais. Uh, he played essentially the Jim Halpert um, you know, comp in the two-season original of The Office. He's a Brit, and he plays a Minnesotan, and he's so good. And there are just so many great uh, characters. Odin Kirk is phenomenal in this. Now I know that Chris Rock and John Hamm eventually become part of this show. Not in season one, as of yet. But for those of you that have recommended Fargo to me over the years, uh, an absolute thumbs up. Thank you. It is this first season is is brilliant it's so funny it's thrilling at the same time um but yeah and it's not anything other than scenery and accent it's really not necessarily anything you know related to the cone brother movie which was phenomenal too um anyway i just wanted to mention that uh do you have anything else
4: uh we we joked about this david ortiz had a gender reveal Mm -hmm. he they did a baseball style because of course. Striked
2: out. Struck out, I should say. He's swing and a miss. He swung and missed. <laughs> swung so, and missed. boy or girl on the swing or miss? Um,
4: I think it was a girl.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll do a quick NFL Power Rankings. We haven't done one this week. We'll do it when we come back. Kevin Chiencho, the Team 980 and the team 980com
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: NFL Power Rankings. All right. Well, I mean, one and two are pretty obvious uh, at this point, and I don't think the order is anything other than obvious as well. Um, number one team in the league are the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they are thirteen and three. They play the Steelers. Man, for those that want the Bills to be in the postseason. They're not starting Lamar Jackson. They're going to rest some starters, but let's not forget that Tyler Huntley played pretty well. Like I, I I would not expect this to be an easy win for Pittsburgh on Saturday to put themselves into a position where if Miami beats Buffalo, they're in and the Bills are out. Look, I, I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan, and I'd love to see the Steelers end up 10-7 and 7 in the postseason, but not at the expense of of a team that's got a chance to make a run, that being the Buffalo Bills. But anyway, back to the rankings. Baltimore's number one. San Francisco clearly uh, is the number two team in the league, and this is where you get into you know, a discussion. And I'm going to leave Buffalo currently at three. Sorry, Cowboy fans, but I'm going to leave them currently at three. I expect them to go into Miami on Sunday night and win that game. Uh, I am going to put, yes, I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys now at number four uh, on the list, and then I'm going to go with the Mi- – I'm sorry, I'm going to put the Miami Dolphins at four, and I'll put Dallas at five. Um, Dallas, you know, some believe don't didn't deserve to win the game on Saturday night, uh, but they did. They're at 11-5, and, and they're going to be the two-seed. And, you know, the teams that I would have considered, you know, for that fifth spot are Detroit, uh, Cleveland uh, certainly was in consideration, and the Chiefs are still in consideration for that as well. But there's my top five. Baltimore, San Francisco, Buffalo, Miami, Dallas. Denton, what do you got?
4: I am stunned that you're still holding on to to Buffalo the way that you are. I'm proud of you, but I, I do not have Buffalo in mind. I have the Ravens, the 49ers, as you mentioned in that order. I have the Chiefs at number three. I'm still holding on to them. I know they haven't been playing great down the stretch of the season, but they still have 15, and I think they're at least slowly starting to look more and more competent on offense, which they're, they've are they picked a good time to, to start looking competent. So I got the Chiefs at three. I have Dallas at four, and then Miami at, uh, at five, you know, one thing I didn't throw in my news, Kevin, did you see Tyreek Tyreke Hill's house caught on fire yesterday? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it's a pretty scary situation. But nobody hurt, right? Yeah, nobody hurt, family, everything everything good and taken care of. But still scary, uh, but I have the Dolphins at, uh, at five.
2: Right, I would just remind you that Buffalo beat Kansas City, Dallas, and Miami, all three of those teams, uh, this season. And I'm not saying that that's the end-all, be-all, but if we were in a committee meeting, head-to-head would come in to play on your top five, leaving Buffalo out of the top five, considering that they've beaten all three of those teams, including annihilating Dallas recently. Uh, The Kansas City, I don't know what to make of the Chiefs. That was not an overwhelmingly impressive win. They covered, and I'm glad they did because I gave them out minus seven. Um, But they kicked in that game, as you know, six field goals. In that game uh, to beat the Bengals. I mean, the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, had one offensive touchdown in the game. And it never looked smooth at any point. Uh, it cost me my fantasy championship game. I mean, I had Mahomes and Kelsey, and Mahomes threw for 245 and what t- one touchdown. And my God, Kelsey's stretch here uh, of the last several weeks, probably the worst stretch of his career right? I mean, three receptions, 16 yards, five for 44, five for 28 the last three games for Kelsey. Um, You know, he's had a, I don't know what's going on with them. Sometimes you just have to put aside recent bias, recent history in terms of what you've seen and just look at what you're watching right now. Kansas City's an average football team right now. And by the way, not even as good defensively as they were. Um. still intriguing team when you get into the postseason I mean the opponents will look over and see the Chief uniforms and see Patrick Mahomes they're going to get to play a home game to start things off you know Kansas City will likely be uh, well they will they'll be the three seed and they're going to play more likely than not either Buffalo or the Indy Houston winner one of those two teams will go to Arrowhead for a wild-card weekend game. Um, Buffalo could win the division. Uh, Pittsburgh, if they win, I think can only be the seven. So they would play uh, at the AFC East winner. Um, all right. Uh, there are several things we want to get to, uh, commanders-related. Michael Phillips will join us next hour as well. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the team 980com